and you can press play. us harder, better, faster, stronger. Break it, harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger, more than ever, power, faster, power, work is can only make me Congrats on the 20,000, you guys, really. Congratulations. Welcome to That That Don't Kill Me, a podcast about health, illness, and disability. I'm Kendall. And I'm Jamie. (laughs) And we finally made it to season two, episode two, which means we are actually doing this. We're actually doing this, yeah. Season two, it's definitely, it's take one of episode two. We just started just now. We haven't done... This was the first <laughs> take of this. Take take two of episode two. If we're being Defin- real, if we're being real, so if our jokes, no one, no one, if our jokes, their card, <laughs> if our jokes sound stale, it's because they are. Yeah, because we did right, ones, but yeah, but they're still good. So now we can just we can just tell them in our sleep, right? Like right. Um, knock knock (laughs) so we're so we're back we're back to talk about the vaccine yes Um, that old thing talking vax this week vax vax that hot hot vax yeah (laughs) um and I, i was saying before that i saw some some story some historian was recounting about how one of the methods used to immunize people in the old days was cutting live virus out of people and transferring it one by one into other people's bodies, um, which, which is about, about is the about, pace that we're yeah. going at. <laughs> <laughs> we're going at these days. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's it's no more uh, technologically savvy. No scientific yeah. advancements have been made. No. We should all be very scared. Yes. And... Um, I mean, I heard that really what the vax does is it it plants a a chip in your body so the government can track you. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like that's very similar to to wound uh, wound insertion. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And also not to minimize the idea of the government tracking you, but like (laughs) the the government already tracks us, right? I mean, I don't know if that's giving fuel to the fire. Or if it's calming or it's reassuring, because yes, it is true. Everyone who has a phone is being tracked constantly. You you talk about, you walk around your apartment talking about like, man, my friend was talking about their air fryer and then you open up Instagram. (laughs) And you have an air fryer ad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. It's fryer. There's a company called Fryer, F-R-Y-R. It's direct to consumer. <laughs> They'll ship it to you right yeah. away. It's There's it's like using a nice graphics. It's a nice serif font. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big block blocky there's, text. There's a Hadid that's that's uh, <laughs> hawking it in the ad. Um, okay, we've we've really strayed. We've really strayed. No, so yeah, um, we're gonna talk about vaccines. Talking about vaccines, mostly the distribution. Yeah, of them because. Uh, they, the production of them themselves are pretty safe. 
despite our jokes. Yeah, I mean, like, all of the scientific effort and technological savviness went into actually making the vaccine. Yes. But none of it went into distributing the vaccine. Right. Yeah, exactly. They were just like, you know what? Just, just... Just go for it. Just yeah, they're like ready. In, just take the, them. <laughs> in the war between trillions of dollars of scientific advancement and bureaucratic logistical incompetence, who will win? Yes. <laughs> and the science won, and now you just kind of have to walk by a CVS it's at the, the right Hunger time Games. of day. Yeah. No, you, you just, just have to be in a blizzard next to a bus that's holding. Yeah. A bunch of people who've got a lot of vax on them. Yeah. There was a there was a run in Brooklyn a couple, like a week ago, where people were like, uh, I think at the, um, one of the sites in North, in uh, North Brooklyn, in downtown Brooklyn, mm-hmm. there was like a rumor that went out that they were, they had a bunch of leftovers. And I saw I all these people on my too. feed that's like, I'm standing in line, I'm waiting for it, just like, wh- you know, ran out of their houses in the middle of the afternoon to... I respect that. I respect try the to, hustle. Yeah. Try to catch some vaccine like Mardi Gras beads <laughs> <laughs> on the street. Below. Yeah. Um, I mean, yo, if if that was, it was as easy as catching some Mardi Gras beads. Yeah, we'd all be th- doing We'd it. be fine. Yeah. We'd be doing yeah. well. Yeah. We'd be doing so well. So maybe a good place to start is... Uh, pain scale? Pain scale. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I always forget pain scale. Um... <laughs> Uh, do you want to go first, Jamie? Sure, I'll go first. Rate your week. Um, I'm at like a seven, probably mentally. I've got, you know, it's pretty high on the pain scale mentally because as everyone I think is expressing in different ways, I've hit the wall, so to speak. I've hit I've hit the COVID ceiling, um, which is the part where COVID stops being fun and starts getting real. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, it's freezing outside. Yeah. Can't really go like, Oh, I mean, park. It's it's like 80 degrees here in Chicago. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh really? Maybe I should. Yeah. It's like the beach. It's very vacation. I mean, I like walked outside and I was like, wow, I'm sweating. This is hot. (laughs) Yeah. We should really get out of here. Yeah. Hmm. Um, (laughs) It's it's freezing. Uh, like the you know the, the the minimal freedom that we did have of like going outside and going on little trips or whatever. That's like kind of getting a little less pleasant. Um, and so you know I think that's what's causing it for me. And also I think what I was going to say before the first time before uh, my card ran out was that I think it's also like. You know, someone pointed this out to me recently that like the year turned, the calendar flipped, Trump left office, Biden went into office, and there was this this feeling, even though we knew at the time sort of the reality of the situation, mm-hmm. there was this feeling of like, oh, there's some there's some renewal, right? There's some like refreshing of the system here. Like we're starting, we're turning over a new leaf, we're opening a new page in the diary. Um, and like things are going to get a little, a little better. Yeah. But of course the reality is like everything is pretty much the same. And so now a week or two out from the inauguration, we're about to, you know, or January is basically over. It's like, oh, nope, this is exactly the same. Yeah. Here we are. And I'm not saying that I expected it to 
change drastically. It's just the realization coming face to face with the fact that we're in, we're in, you know, we're walking into year two and it's just, this is it. Um, so I think this that's, that's it. Yes. what has me at a seven this week. But uh, yeah, that's me. What about? Um, uh, my week is so complicated. I mean, I feel like in some ways it was, no, I feel like it was bad the whole time. <laughs> it was bad the whole time. Um, I really started out high though. Like Monday last weekend, I feel like I was, I was pretty good. I was like in good spirits and feeling pretty good. And I like hurt my leg in a weird, funny way. And um, doing like Taylor Swift dance videos, if anyone needs to know. <laughs> um, embarrassing. And the thing is, I was really enjoying them. So it's like, mm. oh my gosh, a great workout and Taylor and it's fun and whatever. Mm. And it just like destroyed my leg. I don't know. We're, we're not, we're not happy right now. We're not having a good time. We hate it here. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's me. I think if I were going to put a number to that, it would be like, Mm, an eight or nine uh because it's been really frustrating and i think after this like long line of problems that i've had medically i, and I just am fucking sick of it i'm done right. man i'm right. done and so i think that mental exhaustion has really set in there but also then the COVID exhaustion i I think I felt it maybe a little bit earlier than you did, but it was really trying to have a good attitude about it. Um, but I i mean, I'm so happy we're talking about vaccines today because literally, I kid you not, Jamie, I have, I have dreamt about vaccines more than I've dreamt about basically any other thing in my life, which is yeah. actually that's probably not true. But like it, the frequency with which I've been dreaming about vaccines is very high. Actually dreaming. Actually dreaming about vaccines. All variations of dreams like me getting it, me not being able to get it, like mm -hmm. all of the above. Um yeah. And so, and I've like woken up in the middle of the night, like a determined to find a vaccine and yeah. spent hours up in the middle of the night looking for vaccines to no avail. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's very, it's very perfect that we're talking about that. Um, and anyway, I think my week has been bad and I would like it mm -hmm. to be better next week, please. And I also would like, it to be not so cold because if you think it's cold in New York, just try Chicago. Right. And yeah. um, I would like everything in my life to get better. And I would like everything in everyone else's life to get better. That is how I feel. That I feel like January, like it almost makes sense that this is like a bad week because we're closing out. Like what I have experienced is maybe the worst month in quarantine. Yeah. Like quarantine reason like why why is like not necessarily my worst month but like the worst month of being in isolation well yeah i mean there's that's probably true for a lot of different reasons but like if we just step back and think about everything that we've collectively experienced and witnessed i mean like everyone's doing the like the four wednesdays meme on twitter have you seen oh my words? gosh it's like, terrible it's terrifying <laughs> Like we started the month with a, with like a, a yeah with a riot at the Capitol yeah five people dead yeah the next week impeachment trial the next week um, inauguration inauguration uh, 
this week, I guess the fourth in the series was like the GameStop Which stock market is dumb. thing. <laughs> it's not quite on the level of not the quite other on things. the level. Um, but it's like you know all that, and like I think January really ramped up people trying and and thinking about getting the vaccine right because mm-hmm. it was like it it really became uh, approved and public halfway through December. So January was the first month where everyone was like, "All right, how do I get this thing now?" And we were just watching in real time. Things get, you know, progressively worse until the week of the inauguration was when, like, New York started just canceling appointments. Um, so that's, I think that's very real that we, like, there's been a lot of really bad stuff that we've all just witnessed and had to, like, deal with mm-hmm. in our little, in our little pods. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the vaccine in all of, all of its glory. Mm-hmm. Um, where should we begin, Jamie? I I wanted to just start by putting some some facts on, which is I was just going to talk about the latest CDC data for distribution. Like I want to see what the, these numbers are to get us started, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so according to the CDC, um, just under uh, fifty million doses have been distributed to the states. Of that, just under 30 million have been administered. That's 24 million of those are first doses. A little over five are uh, second doses. So that's, you know, under 10%. That's so bad. Of the country. But I thought we were out of them. Like, that's what's so confusing to me. That is is what's confusing and, and... well, we can get into that because you see that on the on the federal numbers, right? And then you know the the sort of by the country numbers, th- this is saying that there are, you know, at least twenty million doses that have not been given out, you know, put into bodies that are mm-hmm. that are waiting mm-hmm. to be. And then a similar thing happens when you look at the New York numbers, um, because. Uh, According to the official New York numbers, like, and Cuomo keeps saying that we've basically given out everything that, um, that, that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, New York claims that, uh, or the city claims that about 1.2 doses have been delivered to them and that of that, 1.2 million, and that of that they've administered, uh, about 780,000. But, um I keep hearing different data. I keep hearing some people say that we have two million doses or that uh there's way more sitting around. I mean, when they started giving them out, the big thing was we couldn't give them out fast enough. And mm-hmm. like in a lot of states they're being thrown out. And then like I said, last week they started canceling appointments and saying that they don't have any. Didn't anything. have any, yeah. Yeah. I the whole thing has been just such a cluster. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and it, I think the rollout obviously is going better or worse in different states. Seems to me that in a lot of bigger states, it's going rather poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, I know some people who would say like, we've given out all that we have in New York. We're doing really well. Um, I don't know. Maybe we are, but I can say as someone who's 
looking, hunting for, or was at least, looking and hunting for a vaccine, it um, it doesn't seem like it's going well. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I, so we can, should we get into this? We could get yeah, into get, this. Yeah, let's get into okay. this. Okay, so I love how I, you know exactly what I'm going to get into. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> I qualify for a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an email um, a week ago, a week ago, not even, not even a week ago, saying that I qualify for a vaccine mm. um, based on this program that I'm a part of where I'm like a sexual assault and domestic crisis um, advocate at, at mm. four hospitals in New York. And it's through this organization. We work with the hospitals. We get we go on call twice a month. Um, right now, I've been providing all um, not, not in person support, uh, obviously because of mm. the pandemic. Um, although it, you can go in person, it's like up to each person's choice. Um, I also haven't even gotten called on call once so far. Mm. Um, I did the training in November. Yada yada yada. I have a badge. I'm official. Yeah. And we got an email saying that we qualified. And she was like, oh, it seems that some of you had been off my first email. So it's, oh, so an I think, email had an early out. email had gone out. I don't know when this was. Maybe it would have helped in getting appointments. I'm not sure. But so anyway, that's that. Before that, I had been like, hmm, I'm going to scheme, plot, find a vaccine, you know, and I have... I also I just want to clarify so people understand. So that's a- yeah. considered as a healthcare worker. Yes, that's a health, under sorry. The healthcare I didn't finish my umbrellas. thought. Yes. Um, okay. um we would be just classified as unaffiliated healthcare workers. Um right. and therefore in group one A. Yes. Pretty much across the country, one A. Right. Um so I had already been prior to that on the hunt for a vaccine just as someone who was like eagerly awaiting one as an immunocompromised person. Right. Uh, like in New Jersey where, where I, I am and you are eligible right. for a vaccine. People with health conditions are actually group one a alongside healthcare workers in Jersey. Yeah. In Jersey. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and a lot of other places across the country, actually, but right. um, not the majority. Uh, right. And I would say the majority of us, c- according to the CDC, originally put us in Group One C. So people right. with health conditions would be sixteen to sixty-four would be in Group One C. Right. Um, after the, a, a certain amount of health, uh, essential workers and pretty much everyone sixty-five and older. Right. Which and is what. Sorry, which yeah. is what New York is on right now. New York yes. is on one, one B, B, yeah, which is sixty-five and older, and then education workers, grocery workers. So interesting. Like I mm-hmm. made my appointment. I just actually found an appointment um, through the New York State program at the Javits Center mm. for March twenty-sixth, which is a very long time from now yeah. for my first dose. And so, according to which the is New York- not good, right? Not good at all. And also, according to the New York City website, phase 1C, which is, as you just said, in line with what the CDC recommendation is, where we would be included. Would start in March. Would start in March. Yeah. So you're effectively, 
that's what you have right now. You may be able... I may be able to get through other channels an appointment yes. earlier than that. But yeah. I have an appointment, which is like a f- very hard to come by thing. So not, right. not a small task. Right. Um, but the whole thing is just, just so stupid to me because... Yes. Um, I did get the chance to write about this. I yeah. did write about it let's, in a CNN op-ed. That. Yeah, it uh was my friend actually reached out to me who I used to work with at the Times, and uh we both worked in opinion at the Times, and she texted me and she said, "Hey, would you or anyone you know who's immunocompromised want to write an op-ed about the distribution process from your perspective?" And I was like, yeah. "Ha ha ha! Yes, I would. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have a lot of thoughts about this." Yeah. Um. And so I wrote a piece basically saying, like, it's absolutely absurd and ironic that I could get a vaccine because of something that has such a little effect on my life. And that is virtual, um, which is the advocate program. Right. Uh, but I can't get one because I'm a two time post liver transplant recipient who takes right. immune suppression right. and is actually at risk. Right. Um, and uh, I got a lot of feedback on it, all very positive. Mm. I really read like maybe one negative comment, mm. um, which was like calling all CNN people a prog- like progressive whiny bitches, basically, which I was like, all right, well, we know where you stand, sir. Yeah. Um, we know where you were on January 6th. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, people just like wrote in and just like flooded my inbox, my DMs, my LinkedIn messages, my Facebook messages with stories uh, about their own situations. And I just honestly made me really sad because people are really scared. Like people with health conditions are really scared right now. And they've right. been just shut-ins um, because- right people around them aren't taking it seriously and and so uh it just it really made me sad to know how many people out there were just so scared um yeah yeah and how we're just kind of leaving people like us high and dry in this system i mean right some of us have uh you know mortality risk assessments according to you know obviously small studies but studies nonetheless that place us at higher you know higher mortality rates than our grandparents and so i think that that's worthy and should be considered and um it just is interesting to me and i have a theory about this Mm. it's interesting to me that especially in big blue states all of the people who got priority in the one C group or one B group who are essential workers are unionized, right? Like Mm, healthcare workers were unionized, like home health workers, vet veterinarians, speech pathologists, like all those people were like, a lot of them were unionized, public workers, teachers. And it just like made me think, wow, if we had a union, even old people are relatively unionized because they got the AARP. Like they got someone trying right. to like look out for them. But there's there was no- also, I think, I think the I think um, I, I agree with you. I think also like old people, elderly people got like a there was like a special, even separate from the union question, push for them because New York did so badly. True. 
with people and and i'm not saying that people old people shouldn't get the vaccine i'm not saying that at all i'm just saying like putting me me or you behind a a veterinarian who works with animals seems stupid to me or putting me and you behind someone who's like a finance contract employee of a healthcare system right seems stupid to me Right, Putting yeah. you or me behind a person who teaches yoga at a like at one physical therapy place once a week yeah. seems stupid to me. Yeah, right. And I, I know that numbers are really difficult and like how do you account for these like one-off flukes? But I mean, some of the some of the rules and like are just so ableist and terrible and right and they're yeah yeah go, Sorry, ahead. go ahead no no no, no go finish ahead. and they're and they're arbitrary to a degree right? yes yes they're yeah. arbitrary and i feel like you know i wish our doctors would have made a bigger like i wish they would have fought a little bit more for their patients mm. um because i think like doctors i, I healthcare systems should have gotten to make the decision about who was uh at risk right Right, and who was like needing a vaccine first because it doesn't always go by age like a very healthy 65 year old might not be as at risk as i am or you are and um i mean at least at columbia like we had a whole separate elevator for transplant patients during covid because they didn't want us to go in the regular elevators with regular people like that says something to me that says and we had a whole different check-in like we weren't allowed to go in the regular check-in like that says to me that they thought oh very high risk very high risk here very high risk yeah and but but then when it comes to the vaccine my doctor is like i have no i have no pull yeah can't right. help you here right so i think there's um i the piece was great and we're going to include a link in the oh thanks in the description. it really it really was and it was important that that's that someone said it as a lot of people were responding to um but i think there's like there's two things here right there's there's the personal feeling of this right. which is like it really sucks to yes. be deprioritized this way and you know I am, of course, I feel that way as well, but I'm sympathetic to a lot of non-sick people who probably say like, well, we're all being deprioritized to a degree because like, as we just talked about at the top of this, so few people are getting it so far, right? Yeah. But so there's there's the, the emotional side of that, mm-hmm. which is totally valid. But then there's also the practical side, mm-hmm. which is, as you were sort of just talking about, the the numbers of, of who's most at risk and when this like big national conversation was happening last year in anticipation of the vaccine about mm-hmm. who should get it first really the 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 question people were asking was like well who's most at risk and how do you save the most lives mm-hmm. uh, you know as quickly as possible mm-hmm. right and most of the evidence points to uh the fact that if you wanted to save the most lives as quickly as possible you would have prioritized sick people independent of age first mm-hmm. um you write in your piece that uh if you don't mind me quoting it to you um, go for it <laughs> a recent study showed a 20 percent mortality rate yes. for solid organ transplant recipients who contract covid another study put the covid mortality rate for those 75 and older at 11.6 percent um so some of my my like own numbers are very similar again like you've said these are Small, Small studies, studies to a degree, but 
you know, one study that I looked at um, was just looking at the the fatality rate for all cardiac disease. That fatality was about 10.5%, not that different um, from elderly people. But then when they narrowed it down to heart failure mortality, which is what um, a lot of younger people with heart disease end up developing, that mortality rate was found to be 52%. Um, I saw another study that uh, looking at different sort of diagnoses under the umbrella of heart disease again, found a, a rate from anywhere from 25 to 35%. I think diabetes has been a similar yeah, one. High. In high, high 20s, high, high. 30s maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even high 30s. Um, and, you know, yeah, when you compare that against uh, mortality rates, as you wrote, for for elderly people, it really doesn't make a lot of sense if you're trying to answer the question, how do we save and also, the most people? Here's the other thing. Old people have health conditions. Yes. So yes. it's not like we're saying, don't vaccinate any old people. They right. would be getting vaccines if we went by like yes. illness, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. A lot of them would be. And the yeah. people who wouldn't be, well, then it would be, you know, subbing in one of you or one of me. Right, right. But yeah. when we go into adult hospitals, it's all old people. So it's not exactly like, oh, like, you know, my experience, at least, it's a lot of old people. I mean, it's not right. The, the mean age is not 25. Right. Yeah, so right. I I think that it's not it, it's not that they don't have health issues or that they don't have health issues in bigger numbers. They do. Right. But it's completely it's completely erasing a good amount of people from ages 16 to 64 who also have health issues right and and who are those one in a hundred thousand people who die of covid right it's like i mean i think that's like the rate for our age group right but like that would be us you know what i mean and so i guess i just feel like I don't know. It just, I, I guess from an emotional standpoint, and again, like I understand saying 65 and older, looking at someone's driver's license and giving the vaccine is way easier than going, yeah, it's very what is your medical history? Right. Yeah. It's much, it's, that's much more challenging. Right. But I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it's a little bit lazy for all the time that we had to prepare for this thing. And I, I feel like it's so emblematic of what my experience as a young person who's had health issues my whole life has been, which is that people didn't care. Like it didn't register as a thing because not enough people had it. Right. Right. Like, and even, even now, I don't know if you feel this way, but even now being a 28 year old, like among my peers, like no one has health issues. Right. Right. So it's, it's, I mean, I find people who have health issues because, you know, they're like right. me, but, but, um, I, I think it's mostly that it just affirmed what I already felt, which is that my problems don't matter to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and it's it kind of, and I know that's pers- over personalizing it, but it, it's like, how many times can you get the same message? Right, right. And it's, you know, like you said, other people our age mostly don't have health issues or or serious health issues on the same level, which 
as we've experienced in different ways separate from the vaccine leads to this kind of feeling that, you know, it's, I, I always feel like illness is one of those things. And this is true of so many personal experiences, but illness very much so that like people really cannot conceive of all at all of what it is until they've experienced it. Right. And with, and in groups of young people, like there's this, like this, this uh, inability to believe that someone, you know, lives life that way or what that life is even is even like right um and so yeah there's a, there's almost this thought that that it's not it's not true to a degree it's not saying that we are people think we're lying but no, it's just I know. like it's just this it's completely out of sight mm-hmm. out of mind as you're saying i think another um thing is like we if you think about like narratives that emerge and like narratives around illness Mm -hmm. which are very persistent there's been a narrative since the beginning of covid about who this affects right Mm -hmm. um and no matter how many studies there have been or how many doctors go on tv and talk about things to the contrary you can't like there it's you haven't been able really to break this idea about who covid affects right like and and i've seen journalists really trying and really trying to cover stories of younger people regular people who get this, healthy people who get this, young sick people who get this and get very sick. But still that has somehow not been able to break through what the very early narratives were that were formed around who gets this, who dies from it, who gets really sick from it. And But even with those narratives of who gets it and who dies from it, it's still like we don't care. Yeah, right. Well, it's, yeah, there's like, there's the reality narrative. There's the narrative of reality. And then there's like the accepted narrative that's formed in the public consciousness, which is like old people get it and old people die and sick people are mostly going to be fine. And there's a little asterisk next to mostly that no one wants to think about or look into too much. But, or also like, I don't know. I mean, I think there's also the narrative of like sick people should just stay home. Right. Like, sick yeah. People should right. just have no life. Right. Like, Not that we, it's like, we don't have things to do or, you know, right. we most, aren't we staying home most of the time anyway? Which, like, don't we? <laughs> yes, I mean, I am, but right now at least, but like, I don't know. It just, uh, it just bothers me so much. And no, totally. I'm so ready, honestly, for this all to just be over. So I don't have to think about these things anymore because yeah. I, while I have a podcast to talk about these issues, I actually don't like thinking about them that much. No, like, I, I really do like to just live my life like any normal person and not talk about illness, you know, right. and yes. like whether or not people care, you know what yeah. I mean? Right. Yeah. That's no, not I'm, like I'm a fun time. I'm with you there. And that's also I've I've made a joke of it, but that's what I mean when I've said, like, I'm not I'm going to choose to believe that I'm not going to get the vaccine this year to keep my expectations low because I don't want to think about it. And the other thing I don't want to think about is being in open competition with the rest of the fucking world. I don't want to feel like I'm in life or death competition with my friends, with Mm -hmm. my parents, with, you know, my neighbors, with people I know. I don't want to feel like I live in some sort of fucking Mad Max melee situation to keep living and my competition is everyone around me like that's a very unpleasant feeling that's the thing i don't want to think about yeah so i'm just like i don't i'm gonna pretend that i don't really need it and i'll just wait that's that's where i am yeah Yeah. i mean i get that i also i mean i low-key like don't even know if the vaccine's gonna work on me um 
Yeah, well, there's that. There's that. There's too, that right? whole question, but I will have right. answers to that as I go because I'll be mm-hmm. participating in a study that will test my antibodies as I go through the vaccine process. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, Johns Hopkins is doing a study for post transplant patients of any solid organ. Um, they take in, you know, how many years post we are, what an- what um, immune suppression we're on, what's our dose. All of that jazz, and um, you know, if we've had COVID, if we've ever gotten antibody tested, if we've ever turned up with antibodies, um, and then they test us right before we get the vaccine, the first dose, uh, before we get the second dose, after we get the second dose, and then three months after, six months after, and a year after. So I will have a very, uh, I will be very aware of what my antibody status is in a way that most people will not have, um, which I'm grateful for. But also, like, I saw on Twitter when I wrote the story that a post-kidney transplant guy had uh, his antibody test after his first vaccine, and he had no antibodies. And I was like, what? No. Wait, how, how long after? I don't know. I think it was, like, right before his second one. Oh, he had nothing. Man. Oh, so man. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, oh, so hopefully that's not me. Um, yeah, right. I'm hoping that I have like plenty of T cells to to like mount some response because our medicine blocks our T cells because mm. T cells and B cells are what respond to like something like the virus. Right. And our medicine blocks our T cells because we don't want it our bodies to think that our organs are foreign bodies and therefore like we can't have t-cell activity on our organs right Right. so anyway that's i guess when you're measuring antibodies you're measuring t-cells and Mm b-cells and if you don't have any or you don't have a lot then let's like you're not going to mount the same kind of response right right yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean and you say in your piece that even when you get the vaccine. I mean, they're telling everyone this, but I think it seems true, especially well, if you... because I think a lot of us rely, I mean, at least for me, it's like I rely on a lot of um, herd immunity, honestly. Right, right. Right, like, which is why in college and all throughout, you know, my life, I've every person who's ever lived with me has to get the flu shot. Right, yeah. Because, you know, that's like a really easy way to protect... I mean, I get the flu shot, but like... Again, if vaccines aren't as effective on me, then I need other people around me to get the flu shot, too. Right. So they're telling all of us that, you know, life won't be quote unquote normal until we reach herd immunity. If you get it, keep wearing a mask and all that. Right. That's especially true of you, people with uh, other, you know, immunocompromised. Now, if I have uh, the antibodies, Jamie... It's over. Game over. <laughs> like <laughs> you're going to Disney World? Yes. Is that it? Yeah. No, definitely not Disney World, but like yeah. I think they're giving it I'm not joking. I think they're giving it out at Disney World. That seems right. Yeah. That seems right. Um It's a small world after all. <laughs> it's a small world after all. More like Tower of Terror. Um yeah. um yeah, so the whole vaccination situation yeah top to bottom it's bad news it's then bad we news. have a new vaccine on the market johnson yeah. and johnson just announced johnson and johnson with um, a very confusing announcement yeah so i want to talk about that i also want to talk about distribution a little bit cool. but um yeah let's talk let's talk about johnson and johnson which this news just came out yesterday right this is we're on saturday the 30th 
today. I think this will be out this week, but um, they, Johnson, Johnson and Johnson just announced uh, this week. Um, and this from the New York Times says its overall efficacy was reported at 72% in the United States, 66% in Latin American countries, and 57% in South Africa. Um, and those percentage differences, as I understand it, have to do with variants of the virus. Mm. Um, and of course, after months of vaccine news of things that are, you know, 90%, 95% effective, you hear 72 even and you're like, oh man, I don't want to get that one. Um, mm -hmm. But what everyone is rushing out to say is that like, you know, don't be so concerned. It's in the long run still mostly good. I guess in the study it prevented 100% of hospitalizations and 100% of deaths. Um, but I don't know. But Everywhere you're like, you if look, I'm going to get the vaccine, like, I don't want it, period. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, exactly. And it's also like, there's different numbers. Uh, the global trial is at 66% but it's 85% effective against severe disease. These percentages are getting very confusing. Um, and then 100% effective at... What's severe at, disease without hospitalization? That's what I want to know, because everyone's saying, well, it's you know 85 against severe disease, but 100 against hospitalization. But, I, but severe usually means hospitalization. Um, I mean, yo, I guess I'm just saying I don't want that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want that one. I also think I saw something that said they're really not making much of that one yet anyway. Mm. And the U.S. has bought at this point um, a total of 600 million doses of Moderna and Pfizer, mm -hmm. which is a which lot. Is a, an, and those are two um, shot vaxes, yeah, so which that's means... That's Everyone basically enough in the country for our country. Yeah. Um, now it's they've ordered them, but they're not here. Right. Which, I mean, isn't that because are, Trump fucked how are up? They sh how are they shipping it? The, the United States Postal Service. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I want to know. Oh right? uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That with like all of the other <laughs> lost mail. <laughs> yeah. In our in our uh, Christmas gifts and yeah. Yeah. And our uh, our mail in ballots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, they're in rivers they're in the streams they're dumping yeah. them out yes and you've seen it <laughs> stop the steal stop the steal of our vaccines um so that's j and j yeah um I, I mean you don't want it i don't want it <laughs> uh i'm if i could have my choice i'd like moderna really yeah why about you why are you an anti-Pfizer? Because the first dose is so effective? Yes. Oh. Because with, that, with all this stuff about doses mm -hmm. and everyone pulling away the second dose. You're like, I want to be covered on that Moderna train. I want the first one. Now, here's so what I don't understand. Here's my thing. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Um, Moderna is supposed to have worse side effects. Hmm. Hmm. So that's why I'm like, hmm. Yeah. And it seemed like Pfizer said that they were protective against the South Africa variant. I heard that about Moderna too, though. Is Moderna, it, yes, but also they're coming up with a booster. 
to be extra sure. I guess. So it's like maybe I don't know. Quite. I mean, look, I'm gonna take whatever, which whatever one of those Moderna Pfizer vaccines is provided for me. Yeah. Feels like a lot of Pfizer is out at this point, and yeah, Moderna I- is really the hot one on the market that I'm seeing now. It might be different at medical institutions like hospitals, um, because they have the freezer capacity that like a um you know that a cvs doesn't have yeah right right those people are getting modernas yeah um i think i've also seen because i've perused the new york websites as as time has gone on and most of the time i've seen completely anecdotally places that have moderna but Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know that and that could change right especially with the shipping issues right they could suddenly be like now we're now we're a Pfizer place. Uh, yeah. If that's if that's what they get, and they're able to store it. Right. Um, if if we could pivot, I'd love to talk about distribution a little bit, because I think that's what's obviously caused a lot of the issues with getting it to people, um, and I think that's also one of the areas that again feels very familiar with. Uh, our experiences in healthcare is when the medicine is great and the logistics just kind of make everything fall to pieces. Um, there's one story in particular I wanted to talk about, which there's tons of stories we could talk about in related to the distribution, but one in particular that I think is very apt and also very funny. Um, okay, go for it. Uh, and also, I think, points to the issue with relying on public-private partnerships for something like this and why it's important to have good public health infrastructure that we don't seem to have. Um, uh, is this story out of Philadelphia? Have you heard about this? Um, not by location. Okay. We'll see by S- content. Uh, so there's... Uh, a scandal in Philadelphia right now. Oh, yes. I do yes. know this story. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. Um, so it's a group of recent college graduates and current grad students at Drexel University uh, made a healthcare startup um, uh, to distribute the vaccine they called it Philly Fighting COVID, and they got a contract with the government, with this, with the state government, I believe, um, in Philadelphia, to distribute uh, vaccines. Um, and it has gone to shit completely. Like t- th- this, th- the person who's in charge of it is twenty two years old. It's twenty two years old. Twenty two year old CEO. Um, Andre DeRoshan uh, of Philly Fighting COVID. Would hate being that guy. Hate being that guy. At this um, point. He, they've been accused of stealing the vaccine yeah. for their own purposes. Apparently this guy like snuck out of one of their vaccination centers with a bunch of vials in his backpack, went home and vaccinated his girlfriend. Um, they, oh, God. They canceled a <laughs> Can bunch. You even, this is a movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, this is like yeah. a Elizabeth Holmes movie. Absolutely. They canceled a bunch of appointments. Um, 
for mostly senior citizens because that's who they were vaccinating. But they canceled a bunch of appointments with no notice. And they had uh, landed the contract basically on the premise that they were a not-for-profit and then reconfigured themselves as a for-profit enterprise just before they started vaccinating. Um <laughs> Oh my god! I, uh, I I mean, okay. Like before we even get into like all the things that they've they've done that's fucked up. Why oh why would the city of Philadelphia give this twenty two year old the reins to distributing the vaccine? That is just unbelievable to me. My my answer to that is that this is an extreme version of how we deal with problems like these like this every day with bullshit private partnerships with <laughs> CVS with Walgreens I mean it's it's well CVS and Walgreens that's like a totally different idea it's it's completely different than a guy than a 20 year old CEO yes but but if you but they have for, like a lot of they have like boots on the ground in a way that for, we do not okay for example, uh, Walgreens had CVS and Walgreens did a, a, a public-private partnership deal to distribute vaccines at their pharmacies. Forty-nine states agreed to be part of that. One state did not agree to be part of that. I believe it's West Virginia. West Virginia is currently I know leading, they're doing the best leading inoculations. Yeah. And they are the one group that 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 opted not to do that. And I don't mean just the fact that there are private partnerships. I mean that, like, in places where we've hollowed out funding for health systems that could do this, you then fill the vacuum by contracting a bunch of private companies. Yeah, you know, it's not just it's not just hiring, of course, a private company. It's it's doing it because you've stripped funding out over your, you know you're not allowing your hospital system to do it or whatever but yeah yeah so, but we we did need some kind of like infrastructure that we just did not have and good thing pharmacies can provide that i don't think that that's necessarily the bad thing i don't think i i like can't equate cvs and walgreens being a part of the system of distribution to being as bad or anything like the city of Philadelphia giving the keys of the kingdom to a 22-year-old. It's yes. so different. But, yes, but what I'm saying is the biggest reason across across the whole spectrum why if this is all so slow is because there isn't a centralized federal plan for distribution. Yeah. And if there was a, centralized, a central federal plan for distribution, CVS and Walgreens would be like the cherry on top, right? CVS yes. and Walgreens would be like... Well, I think they're in, working on it, to be honest. I mean, now we have FEMA in, like, how many states? 12, yeah, I think. I, I've heard that that's happening. I don't know if it's, it's happening yet. Um, but CVS and Walgreens would be the cherry on top. They wouldn't be, like, a major factor in trying to get this out. Um, but anyway, yes. So this is uniquely ridiculous. I will give you that. So um, I'm going to read a little bit just from this this NPR story about them. Um, it started out as a group of college friends who wanted to help during the pandemic. They had, oh, tech, sk no. they had tech skills, so they used 3D printers to make face shields. This, keep going. Yeah. They organized as a nonprofit, Philly Fighting COVID, had opened a testing site in a Philadelphia neighborhood that didn't have one yet. But the leader, 
had bigger ambitions. Even before the first vaccine was authorized, he made plans to be involved. He is a graduate student in psychology at Drexel University. He has no background in healthcare. Um, he, uh, sometime in October, he put together a PowerPoint um, <laughs> uh, it, where he gathered and he gathered all his employees together and showed how through this PowerPoint he was going to uh, put together a vaccination plan. Part of his plan was a marketing uh, part. The marketing plan hinged on inoculating local celebrities like rapper Meek Mill, a Philadelphia native, in order to attract his fan base. Um, he described scaling up until they were managing five mass vaccination sites and 20 smaller sites throughout the city. He claimed they could vaccinate between half a Honestly, million Honestly, it's a little people. bit like a fire fest. You know, it's, it's like totally a, fire it's fest. a little That's fire what I'm fest. Saying, like, everything is fire fest now. Like everything... <laughs> Our entire country is run on fire. I mean, honestly, it's it. You know, GameStop would say yeah, and Donald Trump not saying no to ordering more vaccines, but yeah. you know, last year, um, uh, and he told them that they would uh, make money doing it, d- distributing this. This is the juicy slide. He said, clicking over to the financial plan. How are we going to get paid? He explained that the vaccine doses were free, provided by the federal government, but Philly fighting COVID could bill insurance companies $24 a dose for administering it. Nice insurance. I just told you you how many vaccines you want to do. You can do the math in your head, he said. Um, So they submitted to the Philadelphia City Council. I love a get-rich-quick scheme off of vaccines. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's a quote he gave to the Today Show. Old people vaccines too. Yeah, here's a quote he gave to the Today Show talking about why they weren't, why they were outside of the medical establishment, why they thought differently. We're engineers. <sighs> we're scientists. Computer scientists. We're cybersecurity nerds. We think a little differently than people in healthcare do. We took the entire model and just threw it out the window. We said to hell with all of that. We're going to completely b- build on a new model that is based on a factory. You know, we we made this mess because we like lifted Mark Zuckerberg and all those idiots up to like be honestly yes, heroes in our culture. Absolutely. And so now we're all just waiting for the next Mark Zuckerberg, right? For like next, we're all just yeah. waiting for the next hero. And it was going to be Elizabeth Holmes until LOL. <laughs> she until was a scammer was a too. Mess. Right, yeah. Um and healthcare is like ripe for disruption because of all of you know, right? The absolute, you know, it's just like a nightmare. Um, right? Yeah, it's a disaster. So yeah, it's, so it's only a matter of time before Silicon Valley, the Uber for healthcare, Uber starts. for healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the big things they said was they they were going to try to do this equitably, distribute to Philly's black population, make sure it was getting to people most vulnerable. Um, at the first event, at the first event. City Council President Daryl Clark asked them for the demographic breakdown of the recipients of the 2,500 doses that were going out on that first day. But the health department told him that Philly fighting COVID had somehow lost all of the racial and ethnic data for the patients. The group was blaming, quote, a glitch in the Amazon cloud. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then just more stuff about them. They eventually, as you said, as we said, uh, canceled a bunch of appointments. Old people were showing up saying, I have 
a verification to have an appointment, turning people away. Um, sad. Sad. Here's my favorite. Here's my favorite part of it. Uh, a journalist who was tracking this found the CEO's Venmo feed, which was public. This is from at Max M. Marin on Twitter. Philly Fighting COVID CEO's public Venmo feed is full of PFC work, uh, expenses. So he was Venmoing people. He was paying people via Venmo. Always a sign of a good, healthy company. Interspersed with bro humor payment descriptions for, quote, dick, strippers, and tits. Jamie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Health Commissioner Farley acknowledged the city could have vetted them more carefully. Oh, them God. So it's these pages of Philadelphia. Like, I mean, that is not a small little podunk city. Right, right. It's all these like pages of like Andre paid so and so for PFC $1,000, like paying people. And then you go to like, um, uh, Andre Andre DeRoshan uh, paid someone for strippers and hose. Andre DeRoshan paid someone for boobs. Uh, someone paid him for, and the memo line is just all of the leaf emojis, uh, which is like genuinely yes. understood as like weed. Yes. yes. Um, when you're paying someone on Venmo, um, and this is from like not that long ago. These are like recent payments. Is interspersed. Oh, God. With paying for expenses. So moral of the story is that no one's ever going to get the vaccine. <laughs> no one's ever going to get the vaccine. <laughs> or moral for... of the story is, except for Andre. Well, yeah, I guess literally the only way to get a vaccine is to know Andre. Or to start a scam startup of your own. To show we your just... boobs to Andre. <laughs> <laughs> we just need 350 million individual scam startups. <laughs> and then everyone, here's my startup idea. Uh, it's a revolutionary vaccine distribution plan. <laughs> I distribute the vaccine to myself and to you. And, and you actually, get it. you know what? For marketing, we're going to go with influencers. And yes. um, I'm going to give the vaccine live to Katy Perry. Yes. And, um, and Lady Gaga, too. Yeah. Yes. And then everyone will want it. Yes. Can I just say that's been driving me crazy? I understand why they're doing it. I understand they have to do it. But politicians going on TV and being like getting vaccinated and being like, you should get it as if like hesitancy is the biggest Easily quelled by like someone just getting it on camera. Right. Or as if that's like. I mean, I think it's a good idea, especially for like the president. But um, yes. But it's like we're getting lower on the tiers of people who are doing it. And they're just, it's just, there's something like uh, crazy making about seeing people be like, you should get it. And being like, how? Well, how do I get it? Where do I get it? How do I do that? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's bad. It's bad out here. It's bad. I don't know what to say. I mean, I feel like hopefully i'll stop having vaccine nightmares but i'm hopefully. pretty sure that's not true <laughs> yeah yeah i hope so i i've i don't know i've heard that people like that other people who have like gone on and only been able to find an appointment like you know in the future like you did then go back on later because they put up new appointments every week and then can find yeah stuff 
I mean, at this point, I'm like, it will happen. <laughs> it will happen it eventually. eventually. I will get a. I will get it eventually. It feels. Yeah, it, it feels really. Um, just like a bad, sad time, and I just want it to be over. Yeah, honestly. Same. So. I would like it to be over. But until then, it's giving us lots of fodder to talk about on yes. that that don't kill me. Yes. <laughs> so I guess that's okay. I'd prefer I prefer to have our own to have to be like creative. Like, what are we going to talk about? Life is so good if you have an illness. Right. It's the best time. It's the best yeah. time. Everyone's saying that. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's like the golden age for women in television. <laughs> it's the golden age for it's, people with illness in the world. You it's know? the time for girl bosses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I hope everyone who can get one who wants one. And I hope it happens sooner rather than later. Yes. Um, there's a website, vaccinate.nyc, that just tabulates how much farther we have to go based on our current rate of distribution. And it's actually improved quite a lot. Um, it says, as of today, it says that this rate will vaccinate all of NYC by October 15th, 2021. Oh my God, uh, no. <laughs> That's which, so far away. I feel like I'm, I'm clipping my mic because I'm screaming. I'm not joking is the best that it's been because if you checked it in the first few weeks of distribution, it, some days it would say 2024, some days it would say 2023. Um, September is the end of summer. So they've said they want it to be done by the end of summer. That's not that far off. October, not that far off. Yeah, that's not that far off. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well. Maybe by this time next week, you'll maybe be on your way. I don't know. I'm trying to, to get, send out positive vibes. Oh. You'll be vaccinated soon. Well, I would like this time next week to not have my foot hurt. Can we say that first? Yeah, we can say that. We can <laughs> okay. say that. And and you'll be in a happier place. Yes. I'll, I'll be outside again because it'll be 50 degrees. Yeah. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, stay tuned next week because I'm sure we've got something good coming for you. <laughs> there will there'll be an episode. <laughs> Gotta check the docket. That's for sure. All right. There really is, there are so many variations of this pandemic that we can talk about. So, yeah, there's, I feel, a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff. I feel confident in us. Yeah. We'll, we'll think of something. <laughs> All right. That's yeah. good. Okay. Bye. Bye. Because I can't wait much longer.